Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the outstanding Carm Huntress. He's the CEO at RX Review. Carm is an entrepreneur and strategic leader with over 20 years of experience in startups focused around consumer and enterprise technology. His first web development and hosting company he started while in high school was eventually acquired in 2001. After finishing his degree in electrical engineering at Northeastern University in 2004, he went to work for Plum Voice, an IVR and voice technology startup where he ran their network operations. He later was asked to run product development at My Perfect Gig, a Northbridge and Commonwealth Venture startup. After two years as their CTO of Reef Partners, where he ran the technology for a number of portfolio companies, he became CTO at Audiogon.com, the largest high-end audio site in the world. He managed the transition of the core technology platform and team for growth. In 2013, he moved to Denver, where he founded RX Review, which will be the focus of our interview today. As many of you have seen, the headlines of newspapers and, and media articles are, are, have been centered around PBMs, pharmacy benefit managers, and, uh, and some of the practices that are not the best. And so what Carm is doing in, in his current role is bringing a fix to that big problem. So we're going to review some of his thoughts and experience in the business. And with that, I want to, I want to give you a warm welcome, Carm. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me today. So Carm, did I leave anything out of the intro? Obviously, you've done a lot of really cool things early on that maybe you want to educate the listeners on about you. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that's interesting about me is I'm a non-healthcare guy in healthcare. And, you know, my career is I've really touched a lot of bespoke and unique technology products and solved a lot, really a lot of tough engineering problems. And I think those things serve me really well as a CEO now with a technology background. I mean, I think everybody can kind of laments about how far behind technology is in healthcare. And so I've worked with a lot of sort of old antiquated systems. And I think all that technology skill and product background really serves me well here as CEO, because this is by far not an easy job. Uh, as we try to advance healthcare technology to kind of the, to at least, you know, 2010, hopefully, you know, 2019 here compared to a lot of the other areas in our, in our life, uh, like our phones that are, are pretty advanced at this point. No, that's a good call out, Carm. And certainly uh, the tech background helps a lot. Implementation is key, right? And, and we often say implementation is innovation in healthcare. You just got to <laughs> figure out how to make it work. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because it's one thing to kind of, I think what we see with a lot of technology and discussions about AI and all this is that they can work in really small pockets and sort of, you know, academia or other areas. It's very hard to scale and implement technologies uh, in healthcare. Uh, and very few companies have done it. I mean, if you look at the capital deployed and sort of what companies you can say are at sort of massive millions or tens of millions of user scale, that doesn't really exist in healthcare yet. It's starting to happen, but it's still pretty early on in terms of seeing technologies implemented well and scaled uh, to pretty large numbers of users. Yeah. Carm, what is it that got you in the healthcare sector after yeah. you know all these years and success that you had outside of it? 
Yeah, so it's an interesting founder story. My, my wife is a, a physician. and She and I had actually done quite a bit of traveling before moving to Denver. We took about six months off. She had just finished her fellowship. And, uh, you know, we were settling here in Denver. And I, I really wanted to do, you know, I had worked, if you look at the arc of my career, I worked on a lot of rich, really interesting technologies, but not really things that move the dial in terms of people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, was in my early 30s and really assessing my career and what success meant to me. And I think I really just wanted to be useful. <laughs> want to be really useful and helpful to people and uh, have that mission-driven sense. And through kind of my wife, I ended up meeting our our chief medical officer, Dr. Kevin O'Brien, who's a great pulmonologist. He's been one for almost 30 years. And he and I met over breakfast and, you know, he said, hey, I've got this idea I want to show you. And he actually was very frustrated. And as a pulmonologist, you, you prescribe a lot of variable, different types of drugs that can be very expensive, um, inhalers and other things like that, and not covered and covered. And, and his frustration was pretty high around this. And he also knew that doctors had a hard time keeping up with the efficacy of drugs and how well they worked. And so he did about five years of research by the time I met him and actually had put together a book. And the book was hundreds of pages long. And it, every page or a few pages was a condition. And then every drug that could treat that condition ranked by clinical efficacy and cost. And it was kind of an amazing piece of work. We still have it, actually. I think it's kind of our, you know, I have it locked away in a cabinet here mm-hmm. in the office because it's such a great piece of work. And being a doctor, he was like, I'm going to publish this, you know. And so I saw this and I, and, you know, the two things that stood out to me is one, the number of drugs just for a single condition that could treat that condition that are relatively the same. And then the variability in cost. Yeah. And sort of in a normal market, if you have something that works exactly the same as something else, the costs are usually relatively the same. And that's absolutely not true with pharmaceuticals, right? You can see drugs that are, uh, you know, just $4, right? All the, and then the same drug or in just in a you know, different name or made by a different manufacturer can be hundreds or thousands of dollars. And so the cost is trans, uh, you know, sort of disparity and the magnitude of the problem, right? This is a $400 billion market was really what caught my eye. And then really the opportunity to like help providers and consumers in such a fundamental way. And, and back then, this is six years ago, right? So just then, the sort of pressure of consumer-driven healthcare and you know, you're starting to hear the stories of people going bankrupt and not being able to afford their medications and the challenges around that. And it just kind of lit me up. I was like, my God, someone, if I'm not going to solve this problem, someone's going to. It yeah. will have to be solved if we think about value-based care and and consumer-driven care where, where you know, consumers are covering the, the, the cost, you know, people are going to want and must have a transparent system. And as doctors and providers think about giving value-based care, how can they do it if they don't know the cost of what they're doing, right? That just doesn't make sense. It's an impossibility. So I knew there was something there. I had no idea, right, what this thing would become and, and what a big deal cost transparency would be. Now, it's taken six years, so it's a much longer timeline than I thought, but it's a much bigger and a more interesting problem than what I knew that day when I started the company with Kevin. That's uh, a very interesting background, Carm, and I appreciate you walking us through that. Let's take some time to have a conversation with the with the listeners more about you and your company, RX Review. Let's bring some awareness to them and and get some education around specifically a topic that you mentioned to me before we started the podcast, real-time benefit check. So I'd love if you could just expand on on those two, your your company, what you guys do, and and real-time benefit check. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's been an interesting ride from a company perspective. We actually dabbled a bit in the consumer space, even when we started trying to bring cost transparency with with sort of more clinical data than a good RX around helping uh, patients not only save money, but be clinically on what's appropriate. And on those first two years, what we actually came to realize, and, and it's a interesting consumer experience, if you think about uh, how you get a drug and actually get it prescribed to you. And so the aha moment for us as a company was realizing the prescriber is really the decision maker, your doctor is. And they're buying, quote unquote, buying the drug on your behalf, right? And so it's a very interesting sort of consumer experience in that you have this other person making this decision and then you go to the pharmacy. And ultimately what we, we concluded was it's pointless to sort of try to solve it from a consumer perspective. We really wanted to get to the origin of the decision, right, which is at the point of care. Right. And that really led us to, we had, that was kind of our major pivot as a company going from sort of consumer to provider to point of care. Much harder challenge, right? You've got EHR integrations, you've got large health systems that move slowly, that don't have a lot of money. Um, so we made that choice and had some early success sort of integrating into EHRs and showing that we could get providers to change behavior. And then everybody talks, you know, that luck is the inter- intersection of opportunity and preparation. And I think that's a really true story with us as a company. You know, we were working hard at the point of care. We had a a great relationship with the University of Colorado Health System, who's still a, a major customer and investor in our company. And what we saw come onto the market with is this new standard called real-time benefit check. And some of the PBMs had started to do pilots. And essentially what this is, is real-time individual patient cost at the point of care. So it's a pretty exciting new real-time data source that the insurance companies and PBMs are now offering. And their main goal is to get it to the point of care so the provider can have that when they're making the decision. So they can actually know down to the dollar and cent what the patient is going to pay. And the challenge for providers historically is that what they've been giving given to date is something called formulary and benefit data. And so if you're familiar with kind of your drug benefit, that's usually a, a tier and a copay where you say, oh, this is a tier two drug and the copay right. is $20 or something, right? Mm-hmm. That data, believe it or not, it's 2019. That data is still shared like a flat file that's sent around to from PBMs, typically through SureScripts to the point of care, and then it's uploaded into the EHR as a flat file. So you can imagine moving a flat file around and that type of sort of non-specific patient information, sort of group and plan level information is very inefficient and inaccurate, right? It's 2019. What what we do today is, right, we do real-time connections to the data we want, and then we bring it into the applications we need like the EHR. And so real-time benefit started to become about three years an emergent standard. And most of the major payers and PBMs came to us and said, you know, hey, this is really interesting what you're doing at the point of care. You're bringing sort of both. We were doing a lot of work in clinical decision support. So helping the doctor know clinically, hey, this is the appropriate drug. And then with real-time benefit, it was kind of a great marriage, right, of clinical data plus cost transparency and bringing those two, two ideas together at the point of care. And so that's really, you know, what led us into, you know, we have three now, three or four major relationships with insurance companies to run these transactions on behalf of these, their members 
and then bring that data to the point of care on behalf of, of providers. So when they make that prescription decision right in their EHR, they actually see that cost of that drug. Um, they can also see therapeutic alternatives that are lower cost. They can see if the drug has a prior auth or not, as well as different fulfillment channels, like is it better for the patient to go to a different pharmacy or potentially get the drug via mail order. So it's a pretty powerful tool in terms of really helping providers make more informed prescription decisions. Well, it's uh, really powerful and this emerging standard of real-time benefits could really hone in on cost reduction and, and outcomes improvement in a powerful way. So kudos to you and your team, Carm, for getting this thing going. What would you say a specific example of how you guys have, have improved outcomes or improved business with your technology? Yeah, there's so many great examples. Um, you know, I spend time, I, I love going out into the clinics and actually meeting with the doctors. And, you know, I'll give you one or two really quick examples. One is, is just a simple tablet to capsule switch. So just depending on a patient's benefit, uh, I was in front of a doctor, it was $200 for them to be on the capsule of the drug. What came back was, hey, if you switch them to the tablet, it's $50. So right right in there, you know, it's the same drug. It's just in a, you know, a tablet versus a capsule. There's really no difference. That's $150 of savings. Now, if that's a chronic drug, you multiply that by 12 months. That's a huge amount of financial savings to the patient and a much more affordable cost, you know, $50 a month. That sure. makes a lot of sense. The other one I think that's really impactful that really shows how just a tiny bit of data at the point of care can reduce a huge amount of administrative burden. I was with an internist that I just absolutely love and, and I see her occasionally and I say, hey, you know, how's it going? And she said, it was really neat. The other day I used, you know, I was inside Epic, which is the EHR that UC Health uses here in Colorado. Yep. And she used our service to look up a newly diagnosed diabetic and she was prescribing insulin to them. And what she was going to prescribe was not covered by the insurance company and it was $300. The alternative that came back was free. Well, there you go. What would have happened if that, so the the end of the story is that if that had not happened, the drug would have gotten prescribed to the pharmacy. The patient would have shown up. They would have said, hey, it's not covered. It's $300. I can call back your doctor, right? And so they would typically call the doctor back. And then one of their staff calls the insurance company, right? And sits on hold for however long and then finds out that there's this alternative and then goes back to the doctor. They re-prescribe send it to the pharmacy, and then the patient picks it up. And so if you think about just how small those pieces of data we provided were, they weren't anything special. They were just a few simple pieces of data that dramatically changed the whole experience for everybody, right? The provider, the patient, the pharmacist, the provider's assistants, you know, their, their clinical staff. It just made a huge difference. And that's the type of inefficiencies, you know, we're so excited to solve for providers and obviously the massive cost reduction we could see in, in the industry. Just to give you a global stat, right, there's, this is a, you know, three, depending on how you look at rebates and things, three, $400 billion industry, about $150 billion is waste today where either patients are on drugs that they don't need to be or there's lower cost options available to them. And so this is just one of those areas where this market could be half as big as it is if providers were really informed at the point of care as well as as, as patients around the cost and best option based on their, their insurance and plan. Some great stories there, Carm, and, and without a doubt, I mean, that last example you offered, both offered access to care, right? Maybe somebody would not have been able to get that. They're not going to take an extra day off work. They're, they need to go to work. They got to pay for stuff. And uh, before you know it, 
adherence goes down or they're, you know, non-adherent to what the doctor wanted. So big, big, big benefits being uh, offered here through the value you guys are doing at RX Review. Tell me about something that hasn't worked and uh, what did you learn from it? Oh, wow. So I think probably one of our biggest failures as a company, and it was a great learning for everybody on the team, was we was working with another health system here in Colorado, and they wanted to scale up our original product, which is, we call it SwiftRx Navigator. And it's actually an application that runs in the EHR that gives both clinical guidance and cost transparency. So it's a more sophisticated tool. And they really wanted to scale it up to be able to order literally any drug and evaluate any drug possible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of those things about healthcare is that when we went to scale it up, the challenges around ordering and and passing a prescription order back into the EHR became essentially insurmountable. The complexity, I don't want to get too into it, but it just didn't work. And so we tried and tried and tried, and we got right up against launch day. We tried to launch it. The providers used it. It just didn't work. It was an absolute failed state for for the product. And uh, it was incredibly hard. We had to go to our insurance partner and talk to them and sort of, it was a tough navigation for us as a company. The good news is we took that lesson and sort of sat back and said, how do we really want to operate as a company? We came to this conclusion that building this really sophisticated application is something we, we want to keep doing and keep improving for the future. But really the, the real value is in our data. And so we really pivoted to offer our Swifter, it's called SwiftRx Direct, which is our API. It's, it's just a data product, which brings all this great cost transparency information to the point of care. But any EHR or any system can just digest that, that data and provide it to providers at the point of care. So whether in their prescribing or their clinical staff or even a pharmacist, right, can get access to this data. Um, and then we leave it up to the EHRs or other vendors we're working with to figure out the best way to get it in front of their users, whether those are providers or otherwise. So we've had to have some really tough learnings. And I think it gets back to the fundamentals about healthcare is that there's so much great technology out there, but we've got to start to move in, into this you know, more interoperable, more flexible infrastructure from a healthcare IT perspective. So these great technologies are all building and all this wonderful data we're producing can actually be used and be actionable for providers or even consumers to really improve healthcare. And, and I think that's one of the hardest moments we're in, in you know, from a healthcare IT standpoint, both, both for us as a company, but even nationally, it's, it's a big issue around interoperability and what we're trying to do there to sort of open up the data floodgates so everybody has easier access to this information. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so if I understand you correctly, then Carm, you you made the decision, the company's made a decision to just focus on the data and let the vendors and teams put together their solutions that pull this this very valuable data set to help make decisions. Yeah. And what's interesting that's happened with us is that, you know, we've been able to establish relationships with organizations like Epic, and we're one of a very small set of vendors that's offering real-time benefit check information at the point of care directly in, in Epic, their Epic 2018 native workflow. So it's part of the prescribing workflow now, and we're the data source behind that. So we're one of four vendors total in the U.S. that have access uh, and a relationship that, to offer that to Epic clients. And as you know, Epic covers about half U.S. health systems now in the U.S. So we're pretty unique in that way that we have that relationship and can offer that. And I think we just passed our 10th Epic client. So we have a pretty large footprint in terms of working with large academic or medical centers that use the Epic EHR system and that we can provide our real-time benefit check data to at the, at the point of care. 
Well, that's fascinating, Carmen. Congratulations on being able to to get into that small subset of approved vendors with an epic kudos to you and your team. What would you say is the most exciting project you're working on today? Well, it's more about really the future and where we're going to head as a company. You know, as I said and and sort of talked a little bit about our Navigator product and I think our view is that prescribing, and if you just kind of back up and look at it, it's too complex for a provider to really do effectively. I think both keeping up with the clinical data and clinical efficacy of of drugs is extremely hard for most providers. And there's so many different options. There's specialty drugs now, different delivery mechanisms, and and, and also precision-based medicine. So, you know, we're now getting to genetics and things like that on on an individual patient basis. And so that's one one big bucket of really hard things for providers to kind of stay on top of. And then the cost issue, right? Consumer-driven healthcare has led to a lot of cost variability from patient to patient. Drug variability, you know, generics can range now up to $500 within the same class, right? And that's pretty, pretty big dollars now. We're not talking about small dollars. And so if you think about that, you know, our view of the future and where we want to go is that a computer is going to be way better at prescribing than a provider, right? A provider is really good at diagnosing the problem. All right, I've looked at all the variables. Here's really the diagnosis I have. Now, what would be the best treatment? You know, if you think about solving a very highly problem of this scale with all these different variables, that's where a computer can really step in and solve these problems. And so that's really where our company's going. We have, you know, we started a lot of our work in clinical decision support and guiding providers to the right drug. And then we now have this really great relationships to bring cost transparency together And that really is going to lead, in my mind, to systematizing prescribing. And so our future is where the provider just says, hey, you have hypertension, you have type 2 diabetes, and our computer, or the RX Review Engine, or SwiftRx, which is the product, does all the calculus, figures out clinically what's going on for their patient based on their EHR record, and then from a cost perspective, figures out what, hey, what are the three or four best drugs here based on the patient's plan, and then presents that to the doctor. What an easier and more effective way to prescribe drugs, right? take all the hard thinking out of it, reduce the clicks for the provider and really help them make an informed decision. Now, getting to that future is highly complex, right? This is very sophisticated stuff that might lead us as a company into machine learning and even AI-based thinking where we'll start to say, hey, patients like you have really done well on this drug and here's your, your best option. And then I think about that tool and that, that product, which is the beginning of, of SwiftRx Navigator, in that the administrative pers- people parts go away. And so our vision is that we go to some of our insurance partners and say, hey, we've proven that providers systematize their prescribing when they use our tool. Um, It's more clinically effective and more cost effective. Why are you going to put any administrative burdens on? Why have them do prior on? Why put all these restrictions on them? If they use the tool, don't make them do that. And so then all this administrative headache and insurance overhead from, from, and both in pain to the patient and filling out prior auths and getting them approved and then having to go to the pharmacy days or weeks later to finally get their drug will just go away. And that's really the future we want to go into. And that is leaning much more into value. And so these are the beginning. We have these early projects. And again, they're not at any scale, but they're really compelling in that we feel and kind of know inherently that's going to be the future of prescribing. And and I hope five years from now, you and I are having a conversation and we say to each other, hey, can you believe it that we let doctors prescribe kind of like the, the last drug they could remember to spell? 
Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, you know, like, how did we do that? That was a really bad thing, right? <laughs> it's much more obvious to just say, hey, we've got a really smart agent helping the provider make the best decision. So that's the project I'm kind of in future vision that I have for the company that I'm most excited about and where we're headed. And I think a lot of our partners and, and you know, clients are as well. Well, I think it's uh, it's fascinating and impactful work, Carm. And uh, it just, the image that came to my mind was a passage that I read about Henry Ford. And he was, not sure if you've heard of this or not, but he was um, brought into court and accused of, of not knowing much. And uh, they started asking him all sorts of random questions. And in the middle of the battery of questions, he says, you know, I really don't, see the value or importance of knowing all of this when I could hit an electric push button and have somebody give me the answers, you know? And I think the same, I think about that as a brilliant response in the courtroom by Henry Ford. And I think when you have somebody as talented as, as Mr. Ford or the providers that you're working so hard to enable, gosh, I mean, and let's enable them to practice at the type of their license, as people like to say, let's enable them to do what's most impactful, which is help patients. And um, so it's powerful work that you're doing. And I want to give you and your team huge kudos for that. Yeah, well, thank you. You know, it's the future. I One of my board members has this phrase called informed autonomy. What is it called? Informed autonomy. Okay. Really, that's the future that we're going to have with providers where I like that. Have this. What we don't want to do is sort of lock things down and just say, you you shout, right? Um, That's not going to work either because they're really smart people. They're incredibly well educated, obviously. So we want to give them this sort of informed autonomy future. And I think I look at just in many parts of the rest of our life, we have computers guiding us through every decision of our lives, right? And I think providers are going to be the same where we help them sort of whittle down the set of options to really what the best choice is. And we do it in a really efficient thing. I I think one of the things, you know, maybe two, actually, the things that we've discovered with providers is the key. And a lot of providers say, oh, they're stuck in their ways. They won't change. Well, we found is, is if you lower their cognitive load and you reduce the number of clicks it takes them to get to the decision or make the decision, they adopt and adopt in pretty significant ways. We, we showed in an early study that we improved antibiotic prescribing by a net of about 24% just by giving them some guidance to the right antibiotic for a particular infection or, or whatever the condition may be for the, the patient. And that was was not a lot of work in terms of, you know, the thinking behind that, but we were just making it easier on them. And I think the burden, you know, I think this is the whole thing. If you look at physician burnout, the whole problem behind it is the fact that we've made technology so efficient, inefficient, mm-hmm. 4,000 clicks per shift for an ED doc doesn't compute, right? That's right. not an efficient way to do work. And, and that's led to a lot of burnout and frustration around technology. And so we've kind of artificially put this thought in our mind that providers don't change and they don't want to change the behavior. Well, it really comes down to the fact that the technology we've given them is, is really inefficient, very frustrating to use. And it's and so they don't have that right information at the point of care to really make that informed decision and have that and, and still feel autonomy, right, around those decisions. And so that's the future I want to get to. And I couldn't agree more on that quote from Henry Ford. It's like, we really should just push a button and, and have the computer help us make the best best choice because it's going to do it way better. And it, you know, it doesn't get tired or particularly make errors that often uh, as long as it has the right information. And, you know, that's the future I really hope we can help create here at Rx Review. Man, that's awesome. I love what you guys are doing. Thank so, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, Carm. And so here is the lightning round. I've got a couple questions for you, followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Sure. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? 
I think help providers at the point of care make better decisions with technology. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Don't hire bad team members. Get the best team around you you can. Get the smartest people that are incredibly hardworking and uh, don't make that mistake. Love that. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? I think read and network and listen. I think you really got to stay on top of policy and what's happening. You really have to network with thought leaders and understand where the industry is uh, going. And then you really have to listen to the space between the words, really, uh, in a lot of cases, and, and to understand what people are really thinking and the, the, you know, whether it's policy or otherwise where they're going. What's one area of focus that drives everything at RX Review? Uh, it's definitely real-time benefit check. It's a really great opportunity and unique one and one that won't last forever for us to get to the point of care help providers. And then our hope is to do a lot more for them. Love that. And uh, these next two are, are a little more on a personal note for the listeners to get to know you. What is your number one health habit? Hot yoga. I've been doing it for 20 oh, years. Nice. Is that right? 20 years? Yeah. Amazing. Good for you. I did it once and uh, <laughs> it, was after, it was after a triathlon, my first triathlon ever. And uh, it really helped, man. I, I felt so good afterwards. A little sore, but yeah, it it's great. both a, a physical and mental practice. So it's a it's a great thing as a CEO to help keep me grounded and, and focused and as clear minded as I can every day. Love That's it, man. Thing. How about your number one success habit? I'd probably say reading. You know, I'm trying to do 50 books this year. Good for you. And I think that's probably the thing that really propels me because I take a lot of that knowledge and information and, and put it into practice. And I think that's just an important role as a CEO. You have to be constantly growing and evolving and, and listening. And I think um, reading is a great way to do that because ultimately most of what we've been done has been done before by somebody else. And you can mm -hmm. learn from that. And uh, I, I use that quite a bit. So what would your book recommendation be to the listeners? Oh, gosh, you know, I just, it's probably more relevant than sort of like my favorite books of all time. But I think a powerful by uh, Patty McCord and the Netflix story is a wonderful read and teaches you a lot about how to grow and scale uh, early stage startups. And I think has a lot of relevancy to healthcare, whether whether it's not in healthcare, but uh, it's a great read. So it's called Powerful? Yeah. Okay, cool. Definitely one that we'll have to pick up. And, and there's also a Netflix series on it? No, it's written by the head of talent or HR, Patty McCord, that ran, ran HR talent at Netflix. So it's really oh, the Netflix okay. story. Love it. And Very cool. Them, she was there for about a dozen years. And uh, the story of her scaling the teams and how they built the culture. And I don't, I'm sure some of your listeners will be familiar with the, the Netflix culture deck, which has been downloaded like tens of millions of times. And so a lot of that information is in that. And she goes into much more depth around sort of culture and building cultures and teams and sort of the challenges they face because they scaled at, at a rate, you know, at one point they were consuming a third of the entire internet's bandwidth, um, which is hard, <laughs> to, right? It's just, that's how, that's how big they were. So uh, and, and continue to be a dominant uh, player um, in, in that space. That's such an interesting recommendation, man. Definitely taking that down. And for all you leaders out there wanting to continue building a strong culture and team, this is one you're going to want to pick up. So go to outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, type in RX Review, and it's actually RX, R-E-V-U. R-X-R-E-V-U. And uh, once you plug that into the search bar, you'll be able to see the entire show notes page, a full transcript, 
and links to all the things that we've discussed, including that book, including all the products that our Review offers. So, um, Carm, leave us with the closing thought and the best place where the listeners could continue the conversation with you. Well, uh, I'm Carm Hutchins on Twitter. And, you know, I think for all the listeners out there and, and, you know, my thing is, I think it's a wonderful time to be in healthcare and um, we need more talented thought leaders and technology leaders and more, more great people in healthcare, in my opinion. There are a lot of wonderful people in this industry, but we're in such an amazing inflection point right now in healthcare, you know, both from a policy perspective, but from, a, especially from a technology perspective, when you think about interact interoperability and openness and data and where we could go as a society to not only hopefully make healthcare a lot less expensive and something less than 20% of the GDP, but but really the opportunity to completely change the way care is given and get into much more uh, preventative models and value-based models. And I think technology will be the underpinning of that. So I really encourage everyone to sort of think hard about your career and what you want to do and um, how you want to contribute to society and, and being in healthcare right now is pretty amazing. And so, Hey, maybe you want to more than happy to, if some of your listeners want to reach out to me, we're, we're always hiring, but if not, you know, it's a wonderful place to be. There's incredible people in it and it's a great opportunity right now. And so that's, that's kind of my closing thought for people out there. Cause I've so enjoyed leaving other industries on healthcare ones and, and spending my, my career here. Well, it's uh, definitely clear that you're passionate about this. And, and folks, just like the, the, what you'll type in the search bar when you get to outcomesrocket.health, rxrevu.com. And that's what you're, you're going to find uh, all the information that Carm and his team have been up to. And so, Carm, keep fighting the good fight. You're making some huge headway here for physicians and patients and uh, and the health system overall. Really, really appreciate you spending time with us today. Thanks so much. Loved uh, the discussion and uh, appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.